Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, the Bucks are talking trash and having fun. That's what the coaches want them to do, and it's working. According to Levante David, we're going to hear from the Bucks linebacker, in just a minute. And the Rays sweep Toronto. They win the afternoon game one to nothing on Matt Duffy's game-winning single to score Malik Smith. And so now the Rays head off to New York for a tough series there and a rough road trip that will end in Houston. And the Lightning have made a trade. Could this be the first of many more to come? All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Bursnick. Before we get started on this podcast, let me tell you about a special offer from the folks at Audible.com. Sign up now and you get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you can also get a free audiobook. Here's what you do. Just go to Audible.com slash SportsDay. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash SportsDay for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. So we were back at uh, Bucks Minicamp, day two of three. They'll wrap it up uh, this morning, actually. They should be done sometime a little after 12, and then that's it until um, for the summer until they come back in about five weeks. And as Dirk Cutter says, they all have to have a five-week plan. But that's it. Five more weeks, and we'll be doing this for real uh, in training camp. It's going to go by pretty fast. So it's kind of like um, Groundhog Days, you know. We have f- yeah. Five more weeks of winter, essentially, after this. <laughs> Is right. that what you're saying? Yes, Jameis stuck his head out of the huddle and said that there's five more weeks to go. Before Although he might have an season. extra three or four to <laughs> well to wait. Yeah, uh, I mean maybe when we get to the regular season, if if in fact the NFL ever decides that it's you know I don't know maybe something they want to deal with here in the next uh, well before the season starts. Um, but that aside, um, interesting day. Uh, had a chance to talk to some players, and we'll be playing. A lot of these interviews throughout the the weeks and then in the coming weeks too, as even after the Bucks break uh, for minicamp this afternoon, obviously there's a lot of interest uh, in in their season, and we've had a lot of chance to talk to some guys, and we want to bring you those uh, as soon as we can. But one of the one of the players that always seems to be a guy that flies under the radar is Levante David, and you know if it weren't for the fact that Gerald McCoy gives him so much cover, <laughs> and Gerald has such a big red bullseye for whatever reason. Uh, that we can get into that, you know, uh, we talked about it before. He's not Warren Sapp. He's the highest paid player. He's been here uh, throughout all those losing seasons. But Levante David is a really, really, really good football player. And he probably could have gone to about seven or eight Pro Bowls by now, except they changed the voting uh, at one point to where outside linebackers are tossed in with guys that play in a 3-4 that are really defensive ends. And so, you know, your traditional 4-3 outside linebacker is a guy like Levante David um, and that, you know, runs and hits and makes plays. Um, but they're lumped in with guys that get sack numbers because in a 3-4 you stand up a guy on the defensive end. He's really not a defensive end. He's not a linebacker, but he's listed as a linebacker. And so that's knocked him out of a bunch of Pro Bowls. But he's a hell of a player, and he's a guy that really, you know, doesn't seek the limelight. He he It's not that he – He's um, uncooperative because he's he really does a nice job when you get him, 
Um, but most of the time, you know, people want to talk to Quan or they want to talk to Gerald and, um, you know, Levante just goes out there and, and puts up numbers year in and year out. So a little underrated, but, um, a, a guy that I think when he does speak, the players really listen to, and we had a chance to talk to him about a lot of things, not the least of which is, um, sort of what their expectations are this year. And he brought up some, some really interesting points and we've seen this in practice and it's not by accident. The Bucks are having a lot more fun this year, uh, even at this stage of the season. Yeah, it's underwear football. No one's put pads on yet. We're not in the grind of training camp and preseason. I get all that. Um, but what you see are guys enjoying themselves and making plays. And, and it's really sort of been on both sides of the ball, right? The defense um, with the new additions that they've had, including the rookies who have stood out as well, uh, are competing now. And they're, and they're uh, holding their own and sometimes – winning the day or winning the drill against the offense, and then the offense will come back. And there's a lot of chirpiness, and, and it's not by accident. It's something that is by design. And we've seen this um, with other teams, uh, whether it's the Seattle Seahawks, and this is what Pete Carroll was all about, compete Thursdays and all this sort of thing. So I wanted to give uh, all you guys a chance to listen to a variety of topics that were raised with Levante David, including his – association and, and you know his days going back to junior college with Jason Pierre-Paul um, again the the Bucks expectations what Mike Smith uh, told them before the season very interesting and insightful interview that we had with Levante David yesterday um, Jason Pierre-Paul came mm-hmm. for the mandatory mm-hmm. guy of course you go back to, to junior college but he said there was a moment where you know and he's studied the playbook where yeah. he asked you hey if I do this Am I, do you need to know? And, and there was this sort of synergy that you still yeah. have with him. Is yeah, that, yeah. You talk about just the chemistry that you still have with this guy. Yeah, man. You know, uh, Jason, we had that same type of chemistry when back when junior college. I played behind him a lot, so uh, it had to be a lot of communication going on. So it just turned over to now. You know, ain't nothing really changed. You know, um, so, you know, during the, throughout the process, he asked me about the player or whatever, and I just told him, you know, man, just just let me know before you do it. So, you know, it all work out for both of us. So, um, you know, so that just goes to show, you know, Chemistry's, you know, already there, so that's probably one person I got to scratch off my chemistry list. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what, what's this been like with this defense, man? You got a lot of new players, guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the install period mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. How quickly have they picked it up, and what's it like playing behind these this new? Uh, believe it or not, man, from the young guys to, to the older guys, man, guys caught on real fast, real fast. Especially the young guys, man. Those guys stepped in right away. Not a lot of mental errors. Not a lot of mistakes that's being made. You know. Uh, Guys coming in, taking this thing serious. Everybody's focusing, and uh, I think the whole thing that helped that helped all that out was, you know, Coach Smith coming in the offense and just demanding everybody, you know, to know they what they're supposed to do, know their job, you know, uh, just putting people on the spot, having them come up to the board, draw up the thing, not only their position, but knowing what everybody else is doing around you. So uh, I think that's what's, you know, going. That's why you see a lot of guys out there making plays right now. Vontae, why do you go so under the radar when it comes to being one of the elite pass or uh, linebackers in the game? Uh, probably because I don't talk to you guys a lot, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know, it is what it is, man. You know, uh, some of got. I mean, to be honest, some of probably got to do a winning too. You know, we have been winning a lot of football games. We haven't been on really a big stage as much. So, um, you know, probably you know, turn it all right around, man. We got to win football games. You know, that's what I'm trying to focus on. Help this team win. You know, take us to the next level and. Uh, Maybe, you know, I'll be up there. Maybe, you know, our whole linebacker group will be up there. So Does that bother you don't get the love like 
It don't, man. I know. I mean, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I do. You know, so um, you know, it just it is it is what it is, man. You know, I just leave it to them. Let me keep flying on the radar. Let me put up my numbers, the number that I put up, and uh, you know, just they just just always be behind the scenes, man. I, I, don't, I don't pay it no mind, but all I do is just go out there every Sunday and play my hardest. What do you look to get out of these OTAs and and the mini camps for you as as an mm-hmm. individual, but also? Team-wise, I mean, you try to gauge where this team is. Obviously, you're not saying yeah, it's not yeah. full speed football. Right, right, right. So, what do you look for to, to see progress? Me individually, just trying to build a bond with the guys, some of the new guys, some of the old guys, getting getting even tighter with guys. And uh, you know, uh, like I said, man, you know, it's been real great so far. You know, just being able to talk to guys and just knowing where they mindset at, how they uh, how they feel about different things, uh, how they feel about the defense or whatever. Like, there's just guys you could, you know, talk to and then we can get on the same page when we're out there on the field. And um, as a team, you know, uh, we're just starting to slow, man. We're just taking the slow one day at a time, man. And I'm just trying to, you know, be the best we can be. We're competing with each other. We're out here having fun. It's crazy. I mean, I don't think we had this much fun in a while while we're out here. But uh, it's, it's competitive. Guys are out here having fun. You know, we're making plays, man. We're just trying to make each other better. You know, when, uh, when we first got here, Dirk said, you know, uh, it's, it's compete. You know, it's competing, but, you know, at the same time, you know, have fun. You know, just all we're doing right now is just trying to make each other better and trying to build for the season. A lot of new beef up front to eat up blockers for you. You feel mm-hmm. like you're going to have a little more space to play in this year? Oh, man. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a good thing to have those guys up front, you know, but, um, it's, it's, it's crazy though, right? You got a lot of a lot of those guys who are really good football players, productive football players. You know, uh, Vita is probably the only one that's up there as a rookie, but you know what he's capable of. You know, so you bring in you bring in Bo, you bring in Vinny, you bring in Jason, you bring in Mitch. You know, guys who you already got Gerald. You know, guys who've been around this league for a long time and know uh, we know what they're capable of. So. You know, um, it, it's been fun so far. It's been fun so far, but like, like he said, you know, we're not in pass right now, so you only can do so much. So uh, we will see when uh, when uh, training cap and the seasons get here. We'll see how it go. Is there just a uh, like? You know, I know there's so much attention last year and the expectations, mm-hmm. Mark Knox, all that stuff. Uh-huh. It's a different feeling in terms. I know there's always urgency every season. Yeah. Just more of a. We got to earn everything, and, and no one's over their skis a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I think so, man. I think last year we wasn't really being real with ourselves. You know, everybody at the outside world had these certain type of expectations about us, but we weren't, you know, really looking in the mirror and focused on ourselves. You know, but uh, you know, this year, you know, um, we really, you know, built. We really, you know, focused on that. You know, and I think Coach Cutter and uh, staff did a great job on that, focusing on, you know, getting that out of our past. You know, he basically said, you know, we was. It was poor last year. It was terrible. We won what we wanted, what we needed to be, and uh, we got to change it. We got to get better. And uh, from that day forward, you know, uh, everybody been, you know, hitting the ground running. Everybody been focused on what they can focus on, not running about anything, just going out there head first and trying to better themselves and better the team and, you know, just trying to get to that ultimate goal. You mentioned the competition. The team's the best team you've been on in the mm-hmm. past. You guys go out here, we see mm-hmm. the defense winning, yeah. the offense winning. Yeah. It's really, I mean, do you feel like that, that has scale is kind yeah, of even I, up. I, I think so. I mean, when you out there competing, it, it brings the guys across from you level up too. Yeah. You know, um, it's a lot of trash talking going on out there, a lot of, you know, yapping, guys are having fun, and just the p- competitiveness is picking up. Yeah. You know, uh, you see uh, rookie Carson Davis going against Mike Evans. You know, those guys, he, he's battling his butt off. You know, he may not be talking right now, but we talking to him. <laughs> we tell him, yeah, hey, don't let him do that, you know, stuff like that. So that just brings up guys' competitive nature. and. Uh, and, and you've seen it across the board from the all, both offensive side and defensive side. You know, we got Jameis trash talking. You got all everybody trash talking, and it just it all just it's just not doing it for fun. We doing it to get each other better. You know, right. build up that build up your self esteem for my guy. You know, build up that confidence 
So when we when he out there, we know he's gonna give us give us his all. Who's the biggest trash talker? Obviously, Corn. Y'all know that already. Corn, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest trash talker out there. There is man, and uh, you love it. You gotta love it about him, though. You love it about him. Uh, he get me talking sometimes, and I see him talking, and then I, I see somebody trash talking him, so I kind of get mad, and then jump in on him, jump in, and uh, you kind of be a two-on-one type thing. But you know, it, it's a real, it's all fun, man. It's all fun. You know, we just get each other better, and uh, you gotta love it. I don't know where they are in the number, but it looks like you guys could get shot out of the old shut out of the top 100 players in the <laughs> list. Yeah. Um, is that disrespectful a little bit that there's not one guy that's... It is what it is. It goes back to, you know, us not being what everybody expected us to be yeah, from last year. The record. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, you know, not too many people probably wrote us off, looked us off, and were like, uh, you know, they're the Bucks. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, I mean, we got a lot of work to do, man. We got a lot of... Got a lot of... Uh, things to fix, you know, so, um, you know, hopefully next year it don't be that way. Mm -hmm. But uh, right now, man, we letting that let that stuff go and then uh, focusing on what we can focus on and uh, we'll see how it go from week one and on. Levante, you keep saying fun. Yeah. Is that a direct result of this competitive nature out there on the field? It's yeah. more than just the trash talk? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And, and, and the thing is, when you're having fun, it's meaning that you're out there, you know what you're doing. So when guys out there, you know, we're having fun, everybody knowing they, when they're doing their job right, it's fun, you know, so... That's the main thing, you know. Like I said, Coach Smith, you know, when we got a defensive meeting, he did a great job at demanding, make sure guys know what they're supposed to be doing, calling guys out, you know, you know, making guys, you know, speak up, things like that. So, holding everybody accountable is the main thing, and uh, we doing it as a unit, as a group. You know, he always say, you know, uh, you know, um, don't be afraid to, you know, taking constructive criticism, you know, from your teammates, from whoever. And uh, you know, we have a lot of mature guys, and that's what's been going on so far. And. Uh, when you're out there, you know, doing what you're supposed to do on the field, how, um, making plays, you, it turns into fun, and that's what's been going on. Do you think Mike has a better understanding of what you can do in terms of putting you in positions to do different things? We've seen you uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, maybe, you know, last year we was probably limited, you know, on certain things that we can do, but injuries, you know, and, injuries and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, but, um, you know, right now we got to um, be back to, you know, day one, you know, moving around, doing things that, we can, that, that he knows we're capable of doing. And uh, you know, you know how things turn out during the season. Guys might get injured, so you might be have to be stagnant in some places. But you know, we start back, you know, start back regular. You know, moving moving guys around. You know, making sure guys, you know, uh, again putting guys in position to make plays. You talk about accountability. I know Brenton Buckner uh, kind of mm -hmm. got on the D line. Oh uh, yes, most definitely. He's yeah. pretty vocal out there. Yeah. Like, like having the a coach on the side of defense. Uh, yes, I, I I love it. I love it. You know, sometimes some coaches may get you know a little. Be a little gunshot and say stuff to players, you know, guys who've been in the league for a long time, but Coach Button is not. And you can respect a guy like that because he's been here. He played it for a very long time and uh, he know what it takes. You know, he, he know he know what it takes to be the best. You know, he's been to a Super Bowl, you know, so um, you know, when you see him out there, you know, calling guys out on their BS and then, you know, making them know like, you know, it's not really about you, it's about this team. You know, you gotta be able to this guy right here got to be able to respect you and this guy right here got to be able to count on you when the time when it comes when it comes to that time so when you when we out there we see it we love it we love love seeing coaches uh interact and do stuff like that and uh it's been like that you know with everybody you know uh coach Duffin does it does it a lot he holds he holds us as an lb group to a you know higher standard than everybody else so um when guys not doing what they're supposed to do he get on us but at the same time when you when you do what you're supposed to do he praises you so guys look up to that and guys like that it doesn't matter who you are, right? doesn't matter who you are. You and Joe have been great players in this league please. for a long time mm -hmm. with no playoff appearances. Yeah, yeah. How, how much does that wear on you, and how are you able to just make every year 
mm. you know, kind of a new yeah. year. Uh, it's difficult. It's difficult at the same time because every year you go at this high moderation about, man, we got to make the playoffs. We have to make the playoffs. And when you don't, it's like uh, yeah. back to the drawing board. And, uh, you know, so that's basically the same step it is for me this year. You know, uh, every year, you know, uh, I tell the guys, guys that come in, I tell them, you know, every year I take the year like I'm a rookie all over again. Yeah. Try to learn everything from, uh, you know, from the start to finish, try to, you know, uh, just prepare myself the way a rookie would, just try to learn as much as I can to help better myself, and then I go from there. And, um, <clears throat> you know, just trying to bring everybody on board. You know, uh, I think everybody else has that same mentality. Guys are, are learning in different type of ways. You know, guys are, you know, focusing on what they need to focus on. The main thing is they focusing on themselves. So once we get ourselves fixed, you know, everything will take care of itself. So really interesting what Levante David said there about, you know, how they sort of bought into the hype. They weren't being real with themselves. And that's sort of what, you know, hard knocks just added to that, right? There, there was this, this national um, perception um, that, you know, it played well on TV. Those guys can make any team look like Super Bowl champs. And people got to meet Gerald McCoy, and they loved the personalities, and they loved the leadership of Jameis Winston. And everybody thought they were much better than they were. But especially on defense, this was not a good football team. And, and you know, just putting aside the guys that they have, you know, gone out in the offseason and, and gotten, you know, on the defensive line and, uh, you know, people like Ryan Jensen on the offensive line and whatnot, just consider this, that, um, there was a bunch of players last year that played over 400 or 500 snaps for the Bucks, and they're either not on or barely on other rosters. They are un, they are unsigned free agents right now, and I'm talking about fairly big big role players. I mean Robert Ayers, uh, who had two sacks, right, and actually didn't grade out that badly. Not on a football team. He's 30. I think he's 30 years old this year. Um, you know, Clinton McDonald just failed a physical. He had to take a pay cut. Um, it's even money if he even sticks around on the Denver Broncos. We'll see what happens there. Um, guys like Ryan Russell, who is not on a football team anymore at this point, I don't believe. And then you have, um, you know, players like T.J. Ward, the safety that they got, uh, you know, as a free agent from Denver that played over 400 snaps. He's not on a roster any place. Um, you know, so th- there's a lot of the Robert McLean who played a lot of football at corner for them last season. He's not on a roster any place. These these were not just bit players. I mean, these were guys that were significant, um, you know, sort of position players on their defense, and that's who they were playing with. And imagine now that the combination of age and mostly the tape is so bad that they don't have a job, and we're getting ready to wrap up the final mini camps throughout the NFL, and everyone's going to training camp in about five or six weeks. So if you don't have a job now, you're going to have to hope for injuries or your career is likely done, especially if you're approaching the magic age of 30, which many of these guys are. And if you take a step back, you say to yourself, well, what were they banking on? <laughs> you know, like what was supposed to pull them through and make them this great football team, especially on defense? And the answer is that they, didn't, they were really, you know, under, undermanned. I mean, there's a reason they were the worst team in the NFL on defense because they had the worst talent. And I think it's I think it's pretty obvious by the number of players that have moved on but haven't found a job, uh, you know. And then of course we know all the additions now, but you know this is everybody says you know it's not the X's and the O's it's the Jimmys and the Joes. Well, they didn't have enough of the right guys last year. We'll see now if Mike Smith becomes a better football coach. You know we'll see 
Um, you know, whether, you know, Gerald McCoy can be more productive with better players around him. I mean, this is all part of the package, but I thought it was stunning when you, when you, you know, when you, you hear Levante and Levante's right, you know, they, they started believing their own, you know, their own mess and it turned out not to go very well for them. So we'll see if this year, uh, and it has been like, you watch these guys practice. If you have a chance to go to practice and training camp, you'll see this in a few weeks. They're running around. They're yelping it up. They're they're dunking balls um, over the goalpost. The other day, Chris Godwin went high for a pass in the end zone, made a great catch. Then Ali ooped it, you know, to Mike Evans, who then, you know, dunked it over Justin Evans. You know, like uh, he got posterized. So they're having fun out there. And and when the offense makes a play, they go crazy on the sideline. It's it's everybody in it together. And you know, the best teams sort of compete like that. I remember the first time that John Gruden, first practice he ever had, um, John Gruden knew that this was a great defense, you know, and they, they were one of the best in the league. And he wanted to bring um, that sort of uh, competitive fire and wanted to compete against those guys and challenge those guys and raise the level of offense, raise the standard. And if you can imagine Brad Johnson, who was not the swiftest guy in the world, um, but on the first play of their first practice, Gruden calls some sort of, you know, bootleg um and you know fakes a run one way a defense completely over pursues johnson has a good ball fake and as big as he is sprints down the other sideline and gruden's running alongside him laughing and just like getting after monty and getting after the defense and that's that set the tone for the rest of the season of how they were going to compete every play every day in practice and i think they're starting to get to that point Again, you know, those other teams were really good, too, so it uh, doesn't guarantee you anything, but you definitely can see um, that they're having fun, and you, you have fun when you make more plays, and that's kind of what Levante was saying. Remember when Jason Light took a lot of heat talking to you not that long yeah. ago about, I cringed at some of the expectations for last year. Yes. You know, which to me leads to believe that he knew that maybe the talent wasn't all there that everyone thought, you know, it doesn't right. mean that we thought it was going to be as bad as it was last year, particularly on defense. But now Levante David saying we bought into the hype. We were believing our own headlines, hard mm-hmm. knocks and all that. I mean, you know, Jason like took a lot of crap for saying he that he cringed over some of, and it wasn't, he cringed over the fact that people were expecting them to do well. It was, you know, specifically some of the expectations of how many points they were going to score, et cetera, 50 et cetera. points a game is what people thought. You yeah. know, yeah, it was it was that that specifically was what he was talking about, that, you know, everybody thought we were just going to not only win, but we were going to roll some people. And he knew, and he found out quickly. The other thing was, it was a house of cards. I mean, I said going into last year with respect to the defense, I didn't like their defensive line. Um, I thought Ayers was just – you know, okay, and, and he had missed a bunch of games the previous two years. And I didn't think – you know, the one thing I've learned about covering the NFL this many years is that whether you like it or not, it's a young man's game. Football, uh, that's, there's a reason why the average career is about three, three and a half years, okay? It, it, it does mean – the NFL does mean not for long. And it's rare to find guys that can play at a high level for more than four, five, six years. It really is. Um, it takes too much out of them. And – uh, you know, that's, you have an unlimited supply of young players coming out of college every year, and it's a young man's game. And, you know, a year ago, I thought they were counting on too many guys that, um, you know, that, you know, guys like Robert Ayers and Clinton McDonald's, nothing against them, but 
you know, you can't take an older guy who's been injured and expect them to be healthier and more productive. Those are the two things you don't get from older players. And so, you know, now, you know, I thought Noah Spence was the key to it. If Noah Spence had stayed healthy and became that 10, 11, 12 sack a year guy, then maybe they had a chance. But as soon as Noah, you know, gets his shoulder separated for a second time and is out for the year and needs surgery and all that, it was a house of cards. I mean, they're, they're, they're grabbing guys off the street, essentially, or off the practice squad to, to not only play, but to play significant time, like Will Clark, you know, who didn't even start on the regular roster when the season began. So, um, you know, this, this is what happens when you're paper thin. And Jason Light was embarrassed by the lack of physicality, how they got pushed around on the defensive and the offense. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And, and he went out and he tried to do something about it. Now, he's at fault because he didn't draft a defensive lineman really for four years. Um, and you got to, you know, you have to, except for Noah Spence, and you got to replenish those guys. So, you know, now he's had to do it through trades, through free agency. And, um, you know, they have, they're going to have eight or nine guys that could, could form a nice rotation. They also had re-signed William Golston, who just didn't show up. I mean, William Golston at minimum could stop the run. Instead, he gained 15 pounds. And I still haven't figured out what the obsession was with all, you know, Mike Smith wanting these guys to be bigger. Um, but they all seemed to put on weight. And they were slower. They weren't as effective. And Golston went from a guy that had three sacks to zero sacks. I think he probably was the only defensive end that played as many snaps as he did and failed to get a quarterback on the ground. So, you know, none of it worked. None of it was good. And I think that there is just sort of a refocus about, you know, hey, um, you know, we, we all are in this together. We're all going to be out of work, uh, including the coaches and the GMs. And it's a zero-sum game. Everybody knows what's at stake, and I think they're going about it that way. So the Rays managed to sweep Toronto. Boy, the, you know, Toronto, it seems like for years, even when they were really good, struggled at the trop. I can't really put my finger on it, and I don't know what their record is, but they just never seemed to play well. They, they were kind of hot as an offense when they got here, and they didn't, they didn't do anything in this series. And in fact, um, they managed to lose one to nothing. This was not a master, masterpiece-type game. Again, the Rays spackled together the pitching and they managed to uh, throw a shutout. I mean, those guys were effective enough. They had some great defense. Again, Willie Adamas with an unbelievable play in the shift, diving in right field, throwing from uh, really from his butt. Um, and, you know, and, and they win it on Matt Duffy's game-winning RBI single. It scores Malik Smith, who had a couple of doubles in the game. That was his second one, and, and uh, he went to third on a, uh, on a ground out. But, um, you know, good good for the Rays to get uh, a little momentum heading into this road trip because this will not be easy, and it won't be easy when they get home either from this because they go to the Yankees, then they play Houston, then it then it gets just as tough when they come home, right, Steve? Yeah, then they'll have the Yankees, the Nationals, and the Astros at home. So uh, all teams that would be in the playoffs at this point if the season were to end today. Um, and we know the Rays' record against teams below 500 compared to I think they're now 21-8 and eight against teams below 500. And then, of course, teams above 500, much worse record. 
Yeah. I give them credit for beating up on the teams that they should beat up on, though. There's, there were times when the Rays were a pretty good team, and they would kind of like play down to their competition. And, and in, um, in years past, it was always like they would lose to the teams they should beat and then beat the teams they should be losing yeah. to. And, and yeah. it was always confounding to figure that out. But this year, I mean, they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Now, today, you know, it wasn't pretty, as you mentioned. Wilmer Font, I would say, was effectively wild. Uh, but he went three and a third innings and didn't give up a run. Um, the first inning alone had one hit between the two teams, and there was 58 pitches thrown. Goodness gracious. Uh, there was three errors in the game, several wild pitches, lots of walks. Uh, but, you know, the Rays persevered. Uh, Matt Duffy comes through. Wilson Ramos was able to get Malik Smith over from second to third on a grounder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just it, it, I think it's a good win. They're 5-1 and one against the Blue Jays now this year. Um, mm-hmm. going into the series, the Blue Jays had passed them for third in the division. Now the Rays are two and a half games above them in the division now uh, as far as for third place. And, you know, you're going to New York now. you got Blake Snell on the mound. you got your ace on the mound going to New York to start this road trip. This is a game you really want to win today. Yeah, and he's pitched well up there. And, um, you know, they're, they're back to three games under 500, I think, which, you know, look, if this team is managed, manages to hover around 500 by the All-Star break, that's a great accomplishment for them. But what you see in in Adamas, um, you know, and, and and some of the young guys, the Jake Bowers that they brought up, there's an energy about this ball club, and there's a lot of guys you mentioned uh, before when we were talking before the podcast where they started four rookies in this game. Yeah, Christian Roy at second, Adamas at short, uh, Johnny Field was in the outfield, and who am I missing? Jake Bowers. Jake Bowers at first. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So four rookies. The first time they've started. Uh, that many rookies uh, in a game since the final game of the 2015 season, which I believe they started five that day, but they were out of the playoffs. You might as well play the young guys. September call-ups at that point. And, um, you know, like I said, they all made, Johnny Field, by the way, I thought that Toronto was going to win this game on a home run. He goes back to the wall and, and – um, It sounded like and, it off the bat, man. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was it. And he makes a nice play in the outfield. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just been – it's been fun to watch now. You know, we'll see. You know, they step up in competition, and the Yankees are, are rolling. And, uh, you know, they they look like, you know, between them and the Red Sox, it's going to be an interesting race in the AL East. But, um, but I, I give the race credit for hanging in. What they got to do is avoid these long losing streaks. It's, you know, it's so weird. Like, they'll win six, win win five, and then they'll lose eight twice. And then, you know, um, you got you to plane out at some point and be a little more consistent. I'm not sure – you know, it's funny, Every for all the – I mean, they've had injuries that have affected their pitching staff. They never intended, I think, to have two bullpen days, let alone three. Really, they're down to, what, Blake Snell now and, and Nathan and Nathan Avaldi, and then, you know, piecing it together from there. I mean, that's that's two starters out of what could be a potential five-man rotation that most teams have. Uh, that's hard to do, man. It's hard to spackle all those innings. But it hasn't been the pitching. The pitching has actually been pretty good. It's just their offense – will dry up from now. And they get guys on base. They just haven't always gotten the big hit. Mm-hmm. Matt Duffy has been consistent. He's their most consistent hitter. He's been on or about 300 pretty much just from the start of the season on through. Malik Smith is um, close to 300 again now. Malik Smith is again. Well. Yeah. Well, he went two for three today. Right. Um, and Kiermaier is getting close to coming back, so you get him back soon. He went one for um, two with a uh, walk, a run, a triple in his uh, rehab start today, his second one. So he's done very well in his first two uh, rehab starts. Right, so he's close, and then they got to deal with uh, a Danny Hechevarria pretty soon, and um, make a decision there. But 
look, I, I give them credit for hanging in there because when they, they get in these funks, it looks like, you know, you kind of write them off and then, and then they, then they sweep the Toronto Blue Jays. So, um, as long as they can try to keep their head around 500, they're, they're doing a good job. So, um, and, and I, I just feel like that they're going to have a good young core. I really like Bowers and I really like, uh, Adamus. I, I, I just, you know, I've watched baseball a long time. You have too, Steve, and anything can happen. You know, guys can come up and have a good month or even a good year, but these guys, you know, their defense is as impressive as anything they're doing at the plate, you know? Kevin Cash made mention of having a, a two-out shortstop. And what that means is is that when you've got two outs and the ball's hit to him, the inning's over, mm-hmm. you know? And and that's sort of who he is. Like, if you can be that guy that's just solid, and he'll he's made already his share of spectacular plays, but you got to have that guy that, you know, inning over anytime the ball's hit to his side with two outs. And I like and the way sort of I like the way those two guys play together too and they're they're good friends and the yeah. energy the energy they feed off each other. I think that helps them uh as they progress as you know, look, they're going to hit slumps, they're going to hit they're going to have issues, they're going to pitchers are going to start figuring them out some and then they're going to have to make adjustments and mm-hmm. and when you have a guy like that you've been playing with for so long that's as talented as as each one of those are together and it only helps and the energy they've brought this team. I mean, Matt Duffy was talking about today and others that, you know, it, it, the, the young guys playing has really rejuvenated this team some. Yeah, I agree. And it, it reminds me of, of, you know, a lot of the teams that have managed to, to do this and thread the needle and get some more prospects up. And then, then they go out and get free agents. And in two or three years, you've got a contending team, whether you're talking about the Cubs or Cleveland or the Astros, who knows if they'll achieve that, but this is the just the start of um, you know of some some really good young players that are going to be here for the rest of the year. So anxious to see you know just exactly how they do. There was some other news um, too that uh, happened, uh, I guess on Wednesday. How about the uh, World Cup soccer coming to North America, U.S., Canada, and Mexico? Yes, uh, sixty of the eighty matches will be played in the United States. There's. Uh, 20-some venues bidding on it. They're going to select 10 U.S. venues for it, and Orlando is one of them. Uh, Tampa nice. backed out of it uh, a while back uh, mm-hmm. based on the demands uh, that they were looking at. But, uh, yeah, the 2026 World Cup, eight years from now, at that point it will have been 32 years since there was a World Cup here. 1994 wow. was the last is it one. Really? 94? Wow. Yep, 1994. Now, and the World Cup this year starts today. Right, that's right. I think and, it's and Russia versus Saudi Arabia, like two of the worst three teams in the tournament play today. Yeah, Russia's Russia's already already gonna win two to one. Um, that's already been decided. It's already been hacked. Yeah, it's pretty much it's, like the election. It's on Facebook. They they, they, they they took they, advantage yeah, of Facebook they, they to, take, to rig the election. They've taken care of it. They've the, taken the care of it. It's yeah, pretty much done. Um, the uh, what was I thinking? Oh, uh, what what I wondered was now if you host the World Cup, do you get a team automatically in it? You do now because <laughs> this is you do, do you? No, actually yeah. Russia's in because of automatic. Um, okay. But so the buy. But based on a three-team host, it's not guaranteed, but it's most likely going to be Canada, Mexico, and U.S. will all be. But it, look, in in twenty twenty six, they're expanding the tournament from thirty two teams to forty eight teams. So ah. the U.S. would probably, you know, barring a collapse of U.S. soccer over the next eight years, most likely would get in. Um, had it been forty eight teams this year, they would have been in, I believe. So. Because that would really suck if you're hosting it and you don't have a team. Yeah, no, they, they that it's you are the, the host nation does get in automatically and they play the first match right. of the tournament. So that's why Russia will be the first one today playing. 
Um, then in 2020, it'll be, uh, or 20, what was the next one after this? 2022, Cutter. I guess? Cutter in 2022. Qatar, yeah. Or Qatar, yeah. Or Cutter, Cutter, Qatar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, good. Um, that's that's great for, for soccer fans. And look, I'll watch the World Cup, not like I did when, you know, you can put the flag on and cheer for the USA. I think it's going to be kind of weird, but... Um, I know some people, I actually know a guy that's going to Russia to watch this thing with his family. That's how into it they are, nice. which is, you can get, apparently you can get like a fan visa. Like okay. you don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to apply to, you know, I'm sure there's background checks and things like that, but you can actually like. Yeah, I mean, I think Don, actually country. they had, I believe Donald Trump signed a document already for the, the U.S.'s bid in this that, you know, all the players, visas and fans and all that would be, you know, no problem. And that was and necessary that, yeah. to get mm-hmm. it done, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I don't know if you've heard, Steve, we got some travel bans. Yeah, I assume the Olympics are the same way when it comes to uh, Los Angeles and, uh, sure. was it 2024, I believe, these are the L.A. Olympics? Right, right. That'll be cool, too. We also got the U.S. Open starts today at Shinnecock. Tiger Woods or the field? Who you got? The field. <laughs> I might take Johnny Field over Tiger Woods. I don't know how point. his golf game is. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um Look, I keep th- I keep. I mean, Tiger's game is getting there. It really is, and mm-hmm. we saw him going back to Valspar, and he's come close. And he's had some top tens and top fifteens, and um, made most of the cuts, I guess, this year. But um, majors, eh, I don't know. I I don't know. Let's see if he can win a golf tournament before we start thinking that he's going to win a major. Mm-hmm. There's just so much competition out there right now. So many good young players. There are, you know. And it's just um, as you. This as is you all the generation up, of golfers he created. That it is. You're exactly right. I mean, he 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 built the monster here, and uh, he's a much older player now. So he's going up against what amounts to young kids. But yeah, these are the kids man. that were that were his fans when they were five, six, seven, eight, that's watching right. him play in his prime. That's what. That's who he's competing against now. Is the, is the, that's the right. players he created that a lot of these guys liked golf because of Tiger. I'm impressed that he stayed healthy. I didn't think that was possible. With all the I mean, he had some really bad experiences with those back surgeries. I mean, I think there was a, a, a you know, a stretch there where he really didn't get out of bed for 3 months and um, you know, wasn't able to hit a driver and you know, for a year or whatever it was. I mean, I never thought that that the, the grind of a PGA and he's been careful where he's taken some time off, gotten his body back, um taking a week here or there. Uh, and certainly wants to be positioned to play in the majors, but and, and his game has come back. I mean, you can see, you can see that he's he's in it to compete now. You know, um, so we'll see. I mean, it'd be exciting if uh, if he was there on Sunday, somewhere in contention. But the U.S. Open is always cool, and um, this is a pretty good course at uh, Shinnecock. So that'll be something to watch. What else we got this uh, coming Light- up? Lightning made a trade. Oh, that's right. I mentioned that earlier. Now, it wasn't the trade, right? It no, was no, Peter no. Budai. They traded Peter Budai back to the Los Angeles Kings. They get uh, Andy Androff, uh, forward, who's played about 150 games or so uh, in mm-hmm. his career uh, for the Kings. Had two game-winning goals last year in 45 games. Scored three goals and nine points. A um, little bigger guy compared to the Lightning's forwards. He's like 6'1", 203, something in that range. Um, yeah, I need so some size, man. It, it's going to be a depth forward if he's still on the team come the, the regular season. But, you know, you move Peter Budai, I think he had a million dollars on his contract. Louis Domingue's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, so he'll be the backup most likely this year unless Eiserman decides he wants to go somewhere else with it. But um, So that clears up for Louis Domingue to be the backup, frees up a little cap space uh, for the mm-hmm. Lightning, and they get another depth forward that maybe they can use. Maybe he gets part of a trade somewhere else. Who knows? 
biggest trade this offseason for the Lightning, if you had to guess? Mine's going to be uh, Tyler Johnson. That's the easy one. and uh, I know. That's know, why I took it. Uh, you know. <laughs> I'm no idiot. I want to be right. Steve. Yeah. Well, sure. Uh, you know, I could see, uh, you know, a Dan Girardi gets traded. Ryan McDonough. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, both of their contracts yes, are up yeah, after the next yeah. year. Make, that would make sense. Uh, I think, you know, you might look to try to move an Alex Kalorn, although he's got a no trade clause, so he's got to agree to it. Um, and five so, million dollars a year. Yeah, so that one may be not able to happen. Um, there's there's always a chance Nikita Kucherov gets traded. Oh come on! Well, you know, you've got to st- you could, July one. You can start negotiating his deal. He's got one year left. He's going to command big money. If he's not, See, I'm gonna, I mean, are, here's here's the question: Can the team? Are you willing to pay him more than Steven Stamkos, or does Steven Stamkos have to be the highest paid player player on the team? I mean, based on what Steven Stamkos's desire to be the highest paid player on the team, captain desire. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, and I, I'm not saying Steven's demanding this. I have no idea on this. But yeah. Steven Stamkos it was, you know. The free agent of all free agents, although he signed before he actually hit the market. Right. Signed for $8.5 million, probably below market value. Is Nikita willing to do that? Is Iserman willing to pay more than $8.5 million for Nikita Kucherov long term? You know, I mean, Nikita, I you Nikita took what, a three-year bridge is. deal to get to here. Yeah. Now, he is, he's not quite the same as Steven Stamkos because he'll still be a restricted free agent when he, at, the end of this, at the end of next year. He's not a unrestricted free agent like like Stamkos was, so you still have the right to match a contract and such like that, and get rewarded compensation if he signs somewhere else. So it's not quite the same as Steven Stamkos. He's not an unrestricted free agent. So here's what he is, Steve. He's what twenty four. Uh, for a couple more days on Sunday, he turns twenty five. So, so I was right. He's twenty four. Yes, you were. <laughs> oh, you just have to confirm it. I don't need to know what his birthday is. I'll send him something if you like me to. Well, we'll send out happy birthday wishes now on the podcast. Yeah, I know absolutely. Nikita's a big uh, fan of the Sports Day Tampa Bay podcast. So he well, he should be um, one of one of the many. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, okay. So he's twenty four. So that means he's about five years younger than um, Steven Stamkos is. I'm guessing because um, I think Stamkos is what around twenty eight, twenty nine. That's correct. We don't have to somewhere in that range. Yeah, birthday, somewhere in that that's range. That's where yeah. he is. So, and, and the other thing is this about Stamkos, uh, and I'm a Stamkos fan, but I really believe that, you know, when you score 12 even, go, even strength goals, you're not, you're not really the guy, okay? I mean, you are the captain and all that stuff. I get all that. Um, but I, I believe Kucherov has a lot of meat left on the bone. I don't really know. What Stamkos has left? Oh, I, look, I, I, Sam Kucherov's a hell of a player, and if they trade him, it's not going to be because they don't think he's very good or don't think he has anything left. It would have nothing to do with that. It's purely going to be financial and what they get back in return. Right. You know, it's purely going to be we're not willing to pay him. He wants twelve because for the next year you can negotiate with him starting July one for his next contract. If he comes in and it's it's twelve million dollars a year, I'm not taking anything less. He'll get that on the open market. Mm-hmm. But if Eiserman's not willing to pay that, well, who are you going to pay? I mean, you know, I, 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 well, I mean, you got to pay. But 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 the luxury, the luxury of having a loaded farm system, and maybe you don't have a Nikita Kucherov in your farm system, and that's that's that, what that, I'm that's, saying. That's what you weigh. But you traded 
Jonathan Drouin for Mikhail Sergachev. True. You could get but more than Sergachev other... for Kucherov. You could, but I think I think there were other factors in the Drouin trade. Uh, absolutely there was. But what I'm saying is, is Jonathan Drouin isn't as good as Kucherov. And you got no. Mikhail Sergachev, a really good young defenseman. That Oh, listen, you could hold Kucherov for ransom, right. I think. And, and like yeah. I don't think they trade Kucherov. Right. But if Kucherov's demands are higher than Iserman wants to pay, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Iserman's looking long, you know, because the other thing is it's not going to be for three years. You're going to be paying whatever he wants for seven or eight years, whatever the contract is. You, you don't, you're right. not signing a three-year deal for him. So it's going to be, you know, are you willing to lock that in for that long? You know, I, now I have no idea what Nikita Kucherov wants. I have no idea what Steve Eisenman's thinking. But the 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 value of having a loaded farm system is one you have assets to work with to trade to get other pieces like Ryan McDonough and JT Miller. You gave up some draft picks and some prospects, but it's also mm-hmm. because if a you trade a Tyler Johnson or Nikita Kucherov, you have other players that in your system that you think are good and can fill in roles. Well, if they got guys down there that can play as well as Nikita Kucherov, God bless them. Right. You know, get rid of them. But. Well, and they don't have a Nikita Kucherov at this point, you know, in their farm system. Well, even no. even guys that potentially could become him. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. I just don't know. And Steve Eiserman will know that. I, As a rule, my thing is, if you've been fortunate enough to find somebody like Nikita Kucherov and he becomes this kind of player, um, find a way to, to, to make him – Make him better. Look, he did everything right until they got to game six and seven, I thought. Game mm-hmm. six, I thought he was terrible. His body language was bad. He didn't seem engaged. Um, he obviously didn't score the last two games. Nobody did. So he didn't have the greatest Stanley Cup Eastern Conference final that they could have had. And we've talked about you know, the proclivity of those two guys to pass the puck rather than shoot it at times. Look, you know, maybe his idol winning the Stanley Cup taught him something. He's not that kind of player. He's not Ovechkin. Um, but the drive was certainly there and, you know, he just, I, I think there's, I still think there's more that he can do. Uh, I look forward to seeing what he's going to do next year, how he comes back from this experience. And, you know, for a lot of these guys, I mean, this was, you know, this was rare air. I know they've been to the finals or the Eastern conference finals, at least three out of the last four years, but not with this group. You know what I mean? Like every, every team is different. A lot Mm -hmm. of guys were getting their first first bite of the apple. I and mean, you get the same group back together next year. I think Iserman's philosophy for a guy that waited 14 years as great a player he was to win the Stanley Cup is you just keep knocking on the door. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just it's the old it's the old Bucks Rod Marinelli pound the rock. How long you know, did it take Iserman to to finally 14 years to get there? Yeah. Yeah, 14 years. And so patience is sort of what he has his experience is and I think that's what you'll see. And there'll be changes. Every team is different every year. Um, but, you know, he's got a damn good core and even better players. And, yeah, you got to find ways to make room for him. And that's why, you know, somebody that has been as big a player as Tyler Johnson has been and played, I thought, very, very well in the playoffs. You know, he might be a guy that you don't want to lose, but, you know, you got to make decisions, and, and those are the kind of hard decisions you want to make. So it starts with Peter Budai. This is how they start to, to whittle away at the best team in <laughs> hockey. It begins with just a little bit of, just a nick, just a thousand paper cuts. Um, and then the next thing you know, the dynasty is gone. But no, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what other trades this leads to. 
So we'll have a uh, jam-packed Thursday, of course. Uh, the Rays are at the Yankees again. Blake Snell on the mound. We'll talk about that. And I'll be uh, at the Bucks minicamp. Final minicamp practice of the year. Mandatory minicamp practice of the year before their five-week vacation. And when we come back, it'll be time for Bucks training camp. I can't believe that it's getting that close. And i got to get some vacation, and so do you here, coming up pretty soon. But anyway, we appreciate uh, all the listeners and your feedback. And we love to hear from you as we do almost every day on Twitter. And you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. I love always for you guys to rate and review this podcast. And if you don't know where this podcast is by now, come on, guys, get with it. Where is it, Steve? Well, you can, anywhere you get podcasts. You can get it through uh, iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, iHeartRadio or any third-party app you use for podcasting, just search Sports Day Tampa Bay. It'll come up right there. Hit subscribe. That's the best way to do it. And tell a friend. Tell them about it, too. That always helps us. And if you rate and review it, we appreciate that as well. If you still can't find it, tampabay.com slash sports. It's right there on the right side. It's Sports Day Tampa Bay podcast. The latest episode's always there. Absolutely. Enjoy the U.S. Open coverage. And also check with tampabay.com for our coverage on the Bucks' final day of minicamp. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Verstink, have a great Thursday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.